Fox Sports 1498.3 FM presents Start Your Engines. Here's your race team for today. Show producer, Ronnie Black. Track reporter and racing insider, Nelson Crozier. Former NASCAR team manager and author, Greg Moore. Now, here's your host for Start Your Engines. Racing historian and author, Perry Allen Wood. Good morning and welcome to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg from the Beacon Drive-In Studios on a kind of a cloudy, gloomy day, but uh, probably a pretty good day to stay inside and watch racing. It is, but I've got to go to a baseball game. Maybe two today. Oh, that's right. Uh, Let me make a comment about that in a second. How about it, Greg? How are you doing this morning? Well, doing pretty good. Uh, I'm just like everybody else. Uh... You know, we've seen some strange things go on. And you talk uh, about it in racing, I hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see strange things all the time. But uh, Ford's not, they're not very happy right now over the, the Jimmy Johnson deal. It put, puts NASCAR and Mike Helton and those guys in a pretty precarious position because it's a nine-point race, and they want the guy to race, but some of the stuff that they've done has worked against them, and NASCAR's intentions are to do the correct things, but they're going to have to uncorrect some of it because... (laughs) NASCAR's calling shenanigans. Exactly. Well, what we're talking about here is uh, um, nine-points paying races, uh, and... uh, we're jumping right straight into it, which I guess we need to do. But Jimmy Johnson uh, took out, there were 20 cars in the Bush class last Sunday, and he took right. out 15 of them on the last lap uh, with an ill-advised, I would say. Well, it wasn't an ill-advised pass because he had to do it. But on the other yeah. hand, um, he didn't do it very well for somebody that's won seven championships. He, he blew it and uh, and. I can't I remember who was he going around that he spun. Menard. Menard, in, uh, okay. In, uh, Could that have anything to do with it that Menard does have experience, but he's not as experienced as some of the other drivers? Well, that's true, but, I mean, Jimmy Johnson just flat ran over him. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see that Menard came down anything like enough to cause a big crash like that. Yeah. I mean, it looked to me like... Jimmy Johnson was trying to pull the old side draft thing and just got too close to him. And then on the bush, uh, on the bush, listen to me, on the um, duels, the Gander duel qualifying races on Thursday, he uh, he just flat ran into the side of Kyle Bush. And Kyle Bush is a, a, a very experienced veteran, and he's not going to put up with that stuff. And he called him out on it and uh, used some uh, some words we can't use on air, or I'm not going to use them anyway. And it's just, uh, you know, for somebody that's won seven championships and, and whines and cries when, when he's been taken out in the past, he's, uh, he's got out of the box here at Daytona with some, um, with some bad moves and it's, it's just not, it's not a good look. Uh, even Joe Gibbs, who is, uh, pretty reserved and, uh, you know, very religious, which really has nothing to do with this other than he, wasn't very forgiving as far as what he had to say about Jimmy Johnson taking his car out two races in a row. Well, 
I, I agree with you. I was actually, I, I was just kind of playing devil's advocate when I was asking about Bernard. I mean, Bernard. But, uh, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you on that. Yeah. And, uh, Greg, you got something to add there. You, uh, you talked to Leonard Wood this week, right? Yep. Uh, I, I talked to Leonard and I knew not to, you know, I talked to Eddie and Lynn all the time. I knew they'd be kind of livid and Leonard kind of, he, he keeps his cool. Uh, but Paul Menard, you know, not there I go saying, you know, but Paul Menard is very polite and a heck of a race driver. And, but he has to be careful what he does because, you know, you know, there I go again. Uh, they look at him as being a, a, a rich kid. Which he is, but and and he said that he might have moved down. I mean, he handled it with with a lot of style. But what we saw with the Jimmy Johnson thing was totally uncalled for. Well, I mean, he, he didn't move down the the amount he came down. When I, and when we say that, we mean from the outside wall to the towards the infield. Uh, I mean, it was negligible. You could barely even tell it. It was not enough to cause a crash like that. Uh, but getting back to Leonard Wood, what did he tell you this week? Leonard said that they got a good car. They had a good car in the shootout, which I think they recall it the clash now. Um, they just having to go with the flow. There's, NASCAR is going to have to make some adjustments. In my opinion. But what you told me about Glenn. They had already prepared themselves because they knew that they've always got a real good Daytona car. And Glenn Wood passed away recently. And they, whatever they done, they wanted to dedicate to Glenn. Because uh, Glenn not only was a, a great race driver, uh, a legendary car owner, and the oldest team in NASCAR. But the Woods are class A people, and just like Joe Gibbs, and 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 really Rouse and everybody. Everybody, when you go down to Daytona, you got to make yourself look good. That's one thing that, that Leonard said. But he he knows to go. He's level headed, and well. I think what what uh, they were going to do was uh, if uh, Menard, had, who had led the whole race, could have led the last half lap, they were going to you know it was it was going to be a, a, a nice opportunity in Victory Lane to to dedicate it and to mention what Glenn Wood had meant to the team and uh, and you know and sort of honor him with this with this victory and they of course weren't able to do it because uh, because of Jimmy Johnson's actions and. Jimmy showed very little remorse at the time. I think later he might have said, you know, I'm sorry all the cars got wrecked. But what he said was, at the time was, you know, he he went past, he pulled up on Menard and Menard's car started wobbling, which I thought was a, a funny way to put it. And he looked in his mirror and he, and he said, I don't know what happened after that. Well, you know, what happened was that he took Menard out. And wrecked the next fourteen cars in line, which was all but about, uh, you know, is almost every car in the race. So anyway, 
that's what uh that's what got us started last uh Sunday. It continued um this past Thursday with the twin uh, qualifying races, but Greg and Ronnie, one thing that I noticed was that uh it, it had a I don't think it had the effect that NASCAR wanted. Now, the, the new rules haven't gone into effect yet. This is going to be the last uh, restrictor plate race. But it was kind of a high-speed parade. There, the only time anybody was able to pull out and pass was the final pass that Logano made uh, to um, to win the second qualifying race. You know, he, he pulled out, got into the first turn of the last lap and, and made it stick and won the race. But the... Um, other times when people would try to pull out and go low, even if somebody went with them, they went to the back. So, I mean, I don't see a whole lot of passing going on, and uh, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna leave for a kind of a, a dull race if they can uh, if they can't pull out and pass. I mean, uh, two hundred miles an hour is fast and, and impressive, but. 40 cars lined up going two hundred miles an hour is not all that exciting to me. Yeah, that can get kind of boring. Yeah. They gotta have to. NASCAR will need to adjust. Well, like I said, this is the last restrictor plate race, so they are adjusting. Atlanta, of course, is a different shape and a different speed. Uh, well, it's a very fast track, but it, it's it's going to have the new rules in place, and we'll see how it plays out there. But for the Daytona 500, which I would imagine some people this might be the only race they watch all year, um, it's uh, you know they need to. They need to have a nice show, and we'll just see what happens. I want to mention before we get any further here that we've got some great guests lined up for you today. When we uh, take our break here in a few minutes and come back at uh, ten twenty, we're going to have the great Bobby Allison, who Greg lined up for us, uh, who won the Daytona five hundred in nineteen seventy eight, forty one years ago, driving Bud Moore's Thunderbird with Greg, the team manager, and then uh, of course the next year, which this is the fiftieth, the fortieth anniversary of the big fight which everybody talks about and is one of the one of the watershed moments of the sport. I mean, it hooked a lot of people uh, on stock car racing. And then just after 11, we've got Pat DeMario, who is the, uh, what is he, Greg? He's like the head of racing for Ford. Yeah, he, he's head of racing for all North America. Anything that involves NASCAR, IMSA, he, he's the man. Uh, I know people don't know who, remember Michael Cranifus and some of these people, but uh, he's he's definitely somebody you want to have on your side, and he's doing a great job. And he's a, you know the Mustang has uh, been a very good success story so far. You know it, it uh, didn't do too much um, as far as uh, you know. The, the big news last week was that. For qualifying, which we haven't even touched on that yet, the uh, Hendrick Camaros, you know, qualified in the first four positions, and the fifth place qualifier was. Uh, it was another Chevy. Wasn't it was it? another Chevy from Richard Childress, right? And um, so, you know, a lot of people were saying, "Well, what's wrong with this new Mustang?" You know, right out of the box, it didn't do so hot, but you know, actually, it won both the qualifying races and should have won the clash as we discussed until jimmy johnson took out paul menard so well mustangs are going to be fine i don't think it's a, a matter of the mustangs underperforming i think the camaro surprised some people it did this camaro um and and you know this is only the, like the fifth year in a row hendrick has won the pole for the daytona 500 so you know a, a chevy winning 
you know, being the fastest qualifier was not a big shock. I think the next four cars being Chevys was a shock. And now, this was like his 500th pole, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, he's uh, um, he's he's been doing this now since uh, well, 50 years. Yeah, and so you know that's uh, that's a lot of pole positions, and he's definitely got his ducks in a row. It looks like Richard Childress as well is in is in good shape as far as uh, um, having the speed, and, and you know and. and we're just going to have to see how this plays out. Now, I want to make one more mention here. I, I thought, you know, I'm I'm pretty critical of the announcers and the and the direction and the mm-hmm. the, tel- the, the television broadcast of these things. And I, I I got a lot of problems with Fox. Um, I didn't at the time of the accidents hear any criticism of Jimmy Johnson from uh, Daryl Waltrip and Mike Joy and uh and and Jeff Gordon. And then last night. They accidentally, I mean, they didn't know what was going to happen, but a, a crew member was hit rather violently on pit road yes. in the truck race, running out in front of a, a Brian uh, Dalvat, I think that's how you pronounce his name, or Dalzat, um, his truck, because the first lap of the race it just turned into like the Keystone Cops. It was trucks on fire and trucks hitting this and having flats and after one lap. So this guy's coming in... Uh, with a flat tire, and his a crewman whose name is Billy Rock runs out in front of the truck as he's supposed to do to run around to the other side. Now, he might have not timed it very good, uh, and the reason for that was that Dazat didn't have any brakes. It had cut the brake line when he had the flat. So he, uh, the right front of his truck, hit this crewman carrying the jack, trying to get around to the, you know, the the track side of the truck to to jack it up and. He was sent flying, and of course, it was a shock to the announcers for Fox, um, who, you know, weren't obviously expecting anything like that. Sure. And the, um, but they never mentioned it again. They they showed uh, a NASCAR official that was going to watch the the pit stop run out there to him, and uh, and it was obviously he was moving around. It, it, it he was not you know uh, knocked well, out or anything. Well, like now that. I believe they did say later. That he had been cleared from the medical center. Well, that's not... Well, I mean, I didn't hear that. I might have made a pit stop myself I, or something. Well, I think it may have been even uh, right toward the end of the broadcast. Well, the truth of the matter is he was taken to uh, Halifax Hospital where he has a broken shoulder. And he was released, I guess, sometime in the middle of the night. But... Uh, he didn't go to the infield care center and, and get checked out. Well, uh, maybe that's what they said. Maybe they yeah. said he left the care center and went to Halifax because I, I wasn't paying that much attention. And I missed that altogether. But the the, re- the reality is that he is hurt. Uh, he's not life threatening. He's going to be okay. But it, it was a it was an ugly incident, and it just shows how dangerous you know pit road is, even with pit road speed limits and things like that. Uh, we, we won't get into some of the more gruesome pit road accidents that they've had. I know Greg was pretty close to a guy getting getting killed in Atlanta one year. And, and uh, in fact, Atlanta's had a couple of fatalities on pit road. But this, this could have been a lot uglier. Could have been a lot worse if they didn't wear helmets and stuff. And plus, this guy was carrying a jack. So he was totally defenseless mm. to break his fall or anything. But um, they just showed it once. And they, as far as I was concerned, they kind of brushed by it. But for those of you who saw it and don't know what happened, he has uh, broke his shoulder. 
His name is Billy Rock, so he's probably a tough, hard as a rock, tough, hard guy. And uh, I guess he's going to be okay. I, they'll probably follow up with it on some of the races today. But we're going to take our first break right now and come back in just a few minutes after these commercials with uh, one of the all-time greats and Hall of Famer, Bobby Allison. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. Want to talk racing with the guys? Call the Sign Force hotline now at 864-468-1400. Start Your Engine returns in a moment on Fox Sports 1400 and 98.3 FM. Steve and Jerry here from the world-famous Beacon Drive-In in Spartanburg. Jerry, the Beacon opened back in 1946. How many years have we been serving great food at great prices? Hey, plant day. Seventy years? How many folks are we still serving every week? Hey, plant day. Well, like you always say, I like my job, but I love my customers. But can you say something other than a hey, plant day? Call it. Join Steve and Jerry at the world-famous Beacon Drive-In, John White Boulevard in Spartanburg, where the food is still always good since 1946. Speedy Lube in Inman says to save time is to lengthen life for you and your car. Let Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman, lengthen the life and performance of your vehicle. Speedy Lube offers professional ASC certified mechanical service for your car. Be it an oil change, AC work, tires, brakes, front end, or any type of major or minor repair. Trust Speedy Lube in Inman. Open weekdays from 8 till 6. For fast, fair, and friendly service, visit Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman. Fox Sports 1400 now has an app. Like mozzarella sticks? No, it's an app for your phone. My phone is hungry? Okay, so for the rest of you. Download the Fox Sports 1400 app today with our elite audio text line. Just search Fox Sports 1400 in Google Play or the App Store. Download our app today by searching Fox Sports 1400. Every now and then, we need to get away and relax. And there's no better way than spending time at the lake. Watery Lake RV Park and Marina in Liberty Hill, South Carolina, is the perfect place to decompress. At Watery Lake RV, enjoy full hookups, a bathhouse, bar and grill, and a boat ramp marina with ethanol-free gas. Hookups available on nightly, weekly, or monthly. Watery Lake RV Park and Marina in Liberty Hill, where families get away. Mention Fox Sports 1400 and get 5% off your stay up to three days. Call 803-273-3013. Are you sick of all the cookie-cutter, boring barbershops? If so, you need to visit the Ironspur Barber Company in Hillcrest Shopping Center. At the Ironspur Barber Company, professionalism and customer service is their top priority. Owner A.J. West makes sure that every customer gets exactly the haircut they want when they sit in his chair. So if you want to get your hair cut like you like it and in a fun, man-cave-like environment, then give A.J. a call at 864-466-5289. The Ironspur Barber Company offers military and first responder discounts, and everyone is always welcome, even Clemson fans. First-time visitors mention this ad and get $5 off. Call for an appointment today at 466-5289. Our new app is ready to roll. Listen to us live and more by downloading it today. Search Fox Sports 1400 either at the Apple Store or via Google Play. Okay, and welcome back to Start Your Engines. Uh, Ronnie is attempting to get Bobby Allison on the phone. The first try didn't go through, so uh, he's giving him another call right now. I would mention that one uh, other race that was run last Saturday, late in the day, that we mentioned uh, on the air was uh, mentioned on the air last week was the ARCA race, which is also which is always one of the preliminaries to uh, everything getting going uh, at Speed Week, and it was won by the son of a famous driver. Uh, 
Jeff Burton's son, Harrison, won the ARCA race. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, I'll uh, keep trying Bobby. I'm, I'm getting his voicemail right now. Okay. Um, the ARCA cars, uh, course, they're um, very similar to the Cup cars and the Xfinity cars. And they uh, uh, are now, ARCA is owned by NASCAR. So they're sort of under the same umbrella. But um, Harrison Burton who's only 18 years old, and he was in the race last night, the truck race, and uh, was taken out in one of the big crashes. Uh, but his uh, his mom, Jeff Burton's uh, wife, was up, jumping up and down and screaming and yelling and uh, was very excited to see her high school son win that race. Second was Todd Gilliland. Third was uh, Grant Quinlan. Fourth was Christian X. And fifth was Sean Core. Actually, in sixth place, we have to mention Natalie Decker, who they uh, made a pretty big deal about last night. She uh, was in the truck race as well, but only made it one lap. And she came round, and um, she was the one who, she tried, she had a flat, like, in the first lap, and tried to limp it into the pits, and uh, right front tire was flat, or maybe it was the left front. Anyway, it was flapping like crazy, because obviously she was trying to make it back to the pits and not lose any more time than she had to. And it ripped off the left front fender. And uh, I, I, honestly, I looked right at it. And I don't, can't remember if it was right or the left front fender. But whichever one it was, it ripped it off, broke the oil line. The truck caught on fire. And uh, she stopped right in front of her pit, uh, about a good 10 or 15 feet away. And they helped her out and literally threw her over the pit wall. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't step over the wall. She got sort of rudely and roughly... Uh, manhandled over the wall and one of the things that that i couldn't that surprised me about that was there was some fireman on the inside of the pit wall with a with a fire extinguisher you know one of those uh you know shooting the uh the co2 yeah but he was so far away and he set that thing off and he wasn't doing anything but fogging up the pit road so you couldn't see what was going on. There was another guy out there standing right at the truck trying to put out the fire. But this guy setting a smoke screen from about 20 yards away it was ridiculous. Well, now, was there another woman in the race, too? Yes, there was. In fact, there's at least one more. Yeah, because I, I thought I had heard him say the one right toward the end of the second stage was up in fourth or fifth place. She got up as high as seventh. And in fact, she drove that truck number eight, and she was one of the survivors. I'm not sure exactly where she finished. In fact, I can tell you because I got it right here on my phone. But she, uh, uh, she, she did survive all the carnage out there on the track and was able to bring it home. Uh, in the, uh, I think only ten trucks finished. So, um, you know, she she was one of the ones that came home. Um, so she finished at least tenth. She finished at least tenth, and uh, and it might have been tenth because she had a damaged truck and she wasn't keeping up that well. And uh, her last name was Rutch. Uh, I can't remember her first name, but it was R-U-C-H. And I think that's the way you finish, uh, the way you pronounce it. Plus, the other one was um, um, Betty Jo. Um, what's her last name? And she, uh, she's she been around for several years. And she's, she's 45 years old. And she's not that competitive. But I think Ronnie's got uh, got our guest of honor and our next guest uh, to talk to Bobby Allison Two-time Daytona 500 winner, 1983 NASCAR Winston Cup champion, Bobby Allison, Hall of Famer. Good morning, Bobby. 
Good morning. How you doing? We're doing great. And it's such a pleasure to have you on the show again this year. And thank you so much uh, for coming on. You bet. You bet. And I just heard a, a little, little bit of your comment there. And, and uh, you did say I was three-time winner. Uh, no, uh, well, I might have, but I meant two-time winner because I know you won it with uh, with Greg in 1978, and then you um, won it again in 88 with the Stavola brothers. But maybe I was thinking about 79 when you beat up Kel Yarborough, and uh, I was counting that as a win. <laughs> no, but I, I did win it in, in 82 also. Oh, that's right. That, you sure that's, did. That's correct. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's the race where the bumper came off, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Perry thought he was wrong, but he was right again. <laughs> I was right for the wrong reason. <laughs> yes, yes. How about that? Yeah, everybody on that bumper deal, uh, that was an inspector's. There's one of, one of the inspectors uh, this flat didn't get along didn't, with hardly nobody. Didn't like me particularly. <laughs> yeah, didn't, didn't get along with many people at all, did he? And... I don't know. I won the, the clash, and I won the, the qualifier. And Saturday, we were in late at Saturday afternoon practice, and he comes walking up to me and says, I caught you cheating. you got to move that back bumper one-eighth of an inch. And I said, Joe, you know, things have been all through inspection. Everything's done. We're ready to go race. You move, cut that bumper off and move it one-eighth of an inch, or you don't race. Oh, and so we cut it off and put it back on with a 110 wire welder, which was okay, but it wouldn't take any hit. And then another, one of the other guys got into me up here coming off a floor and, and hooked into that bumper and pulled it off. And it raced about three or four cars behind me, but I got through and went on and won the race. But I had already won everything else. Why would we wind up the bumper in the, in the 500? <laughs> when we already won all of the other events for Speed Weeks. You were so dominant that, that weekend yep. and always always dominant about anywhere you run. Uh, but that that bumper deal was due to a, a NASCAR inspector that didn't get along. Yeah. We, we sort of got along with him, but, you know, Bobby wasn't... Bobby wasn't scared of NASCAR. He wasn't scared of anything, you know. And I wasn't smart enough to keep my mouth shut either. <laughs> well, you said Joe. Was that Joe Gazaway? Yes, it was Joe Gazaway. Yeah, yeah. He, he had a brother that, uh, from what I understood from a lot of drivers I've talked to, might have been a little more understanding, but I know James Hilton yeah, used Bill, to... Bill Gazaway. I, I really liked Bill Gazaway. But uh, Joe did not like me, and... Uh, you know, every chance he got, he he pulled some kind of deal. We were at Richmond one time, and and they're ready to go on the track for the race. And he said, "I think you got a, a illegal uh, locker in your rear end. Pull it out so I can look at it." And, and uh, we had to pull the rear end out of the car before the start of the race. And I'm up there sitting on it. I think I was on the outside pole for the race, and uh, just about didn't make the start of the race. Pulling that thing out. Oh, it's okay. Put it back in. So, but uh, he he just had a different nature. Now, Bill Gasway 
I thought was a really good inspector and a really good person, too. Well, I know James Hilton used to tell me, and I, I've heard him say this more than once, uh, he'd, he'd talk about Bill Gasaway and his idiot brother, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Bobby, you know, Bob, Bobby's fixed more race teams. Uh, he even took the Matador, which Bobby's always been loyal to the sponsor and the manufacturer. But Bobby Allison was the key to the whole thing. I love that Matador. When I saw you win both races at Darlington in 1975 with the Matador, and that was that was to me was a fantastic feat. Yes, indeed, that thing was really, and the car was really better than people thought it was. And uh, you know, just uh, we had a problem with the engine, and the engine shop uh, Traco out there in California refused to to fix it, and. Uh, we finally got uh, got into it right there for the last race and 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 uh, fixed the problem, which was breaking rock arms. And uh, then I found out what was part of what was causing the problem was they had snuck railroad tappets into the engine. And uh, so I decided, well, they got to inspection all these times, and plus I had just seen one of the other competitors with a very conspicuous, obvious roller tappet set up and was told to get away or I'd be fine. They, they'd find me for for getting in their way. And uh, so I said, well, we'll just leave them in there. Well, we, we left them in there and the Traco was mad at me because I fixed their problem and so they went and told NASCAR to look at a tappet. And so I got off the airplane Monday morning coming back from California and Got off the airplane in Atlanta to change planes to go back home to Birmingham. And uh, Atlanta Journal sitting there with big, big, tall letters, about four-inch high letters. Allison fine $9,100. I said, wow, that's the same guy. That guy's got the same name I have. So I bought one of those papers and read up just a little bit, and it wasn't some other guy. It was me. <laughs> and they find us $9,100, and I... Wonder forever where the $9,100 fine came from. And finally, a friend of mine that was a part-time uh, scorer for NASCAR and a good good, good guy from Birmingham rode with, with France Thumb on the, France airplane, on the NASCAR airplane. And he said, Bobby, he was, I was walking to the airplane with him, and he looked up the airplane, and the number on the airplane was N9100N. And he says, 9100 that's where I'm going to find the son of a gun, $9,100. <laughs> that's where that's crazy. Bobby, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, the 1978 Daytona 500 that you won driving for Bud Moore. Uh, that was an adventure uh, unlike uh, I think anybody else has ever gone through to win the race. You, you had the problem in the qualifying race with Buddy Baker, who was uh, yeah. driving for uh, MC Anderson. He had left Bud Moore to go drive for MC Anderson, and then you took over at Bud Moore in the brand-new Thunderbird, and uh, you had quite a problem in the qualifying race, and then in the 500, had to start way back in 33rd. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the qualifying race, uh, something happened there pretty late in the race, and we got all bent up, and uh, Bud Moore and, and all you guys jumped on that thing and, and fixed it 
cleaned it up, straightened it up, repainted it, and redated it, and the whole thing had it ready for me for Sunday. And I uh, started 33rd and came on and won that race. Well, with Bobby Allison, I've always said I'd rather have Bobby. Bobby understands it. A racetrack is four corners and two straightaways. Yeah. Bobby know know that. And he was at such a disadvantage aerodynamically and horsepower wise and said but he was running up front. All the race. The whole time. And when we went to Richmond the next week, Bobby Bobby's a super pilot, but the weather kinda held him up and he couldn't get across the racetrack. And he called us and said, uh, let's let Neil take it take it out for a couple of things. We're in the brakes in. So Bobby sat on the outside pole and hadn't even driven the car. He had asked Neil to get the brakes in and this and sat on the outside pole with no practice or anything. Well, I, I, We I, never questioned Bobby anymore after that. <laughs> in, the, in the 500 itself, though, um, you had an... Coincidentally, uh, a, an end of the race duel, having to run down Buddy Baker, the, who had also had to start at the back of the field because of y'all's wreck in the qualifying race, and you got hooked up with Dave Marcus, who was in the Osterland car, a lap behind, and y'all ran Buddy down, and uh, and uh, just uh, I'll never forget the last pit stop you made, Bobby. You came into pits, and there was no pit road speed limit in those days, and you locked that thing up, and it, it I mean you went between cars and slid right into that pit box and had a fantastic Budmore pit stop and went back out and got hooked up with Dave Marcus and y'all ran Buddy Baker down. Yep. yep. Sure did. Sure did. And blew him up. I mean, I'll never forget Buddy blowing up, going down the back stretch and shaking his fist out the window right before you went flying past him for the win. <laughs> yeah. All right, listen, Greg. Yes, sir. Talking to you, but I gotta go. I'm being called to do another deal right at the moment. So if you'll let me off the hook, uh, you guys have a good day, and I'll try to have a good day today too. Well, Bobby, we really appreciate you coming on the show, Bobby. And uh, anytime you can ever give us, we'll take it. Okay, good deal. Thank, Thank you, Bobby. Okay, bye bye. Well, that was Bobby Allison, who I guess uh, a bigger fish than start your engines want to talk to him well you know he's popular with us but he's popular with so many people and and we're just lucky to get our little sliver of time with him i think yeah and he's never done that to us before which he didn't really do anything to us other than he had another commitment he had to make and right. uh, stuff like that happens bobby allison um three-time daytona 500 <laughs> winner and who knows they may have been paying him money to talk <laughs> <laughs> they might have been plus uh yeah he doesn't charge us he's He's a he's a friend of the show. He's a friend of Greg Moore, of course, for for more years than than I could imagine. So uh, anyway, we'll take Bobby when we can get him. Maybe we'll have him back on later on in the year. And uh, um, he's obviously got a crowded schedule because he, you know, it took us what two tries to even get him on the phone. Oh yeah, and and he was probably doing an earlier interview too. Yeah, he could have very well been. This is a busy time for Bobby. So uh, anyway, we'll take what we can get with people like Bobby Allison and uh, Greg. We appreciate you bringing him on the show, and uh, of course we, we couldn't do it without him. But we're going to take a break right now and come back with Nelson Crozier, who may be phoning in as we speak. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. <laughs> 
Start your engines. We'll be back after this quick pit stop on Fox Sports 1498.3 FM. If you're riding around in your car listening to the game and your car radio sounds like this. And you want it to sound like this. There's the pass to Leitner. Puts it up. Then you need to visit Elite Audio on Asheville Highway. Elite Audio sells and installs premium audio systems for your vehicle. Car stereo speakers, DVD players, navigation systems, and so much more. So stop riding around listening to busted speakers and subpar audio quality. And visit Elite Audio today online at EliteAudioOnline.com. Elite Audio, 1504 Asheville Highway. You do it, we build it. It's football season, which means it's time for tailgates. To make your tailgate number one, you need to visit Game Day Barbecue in Duncan. Game Day Barbecue has all your favorites, including pulled pork, smokehouse chicken, ribs, and brisket. Match any of those with their eight homemade sides like mac and cheese and potato salad, and you have a winning team. Game Day Barbecue, 165 West Main Street in Duncan, open from 10.30 a.m. till 8 p.m. Wednesday through Saturday. So stop in for lunch or dinner or give them a call at 864-249-6787 to cater your event or tailgate. Game Day Barbecue, we do things the old-fashioned way. Frank's for the Memories is a great hot dog place for lunch. Why Frank's for the Memories? Because hot dogs for the Memories just doesn't cut the mustard. Frank's for the Memories has more than great hot dogs. Enjoy a choice of four delicious bird dogs featuring a deep fried chicken tender on a hot dog bun. Frank's for the Memories makes their homemade chili daily and has great signs like french fries, onion rings, and corn nuggets. Frank's for the Memories 468 Oak Grove Road next to Westview Elementary is open for lunch Monday through Saturday till 3.30 p.m. Frank's for the Memories. Selecting a financial advisor to entrust your hard-earned assets is one of the most important decisions you will ever make. Janie Montgomery Scott has more than 185 years of experience, tracing its roots to 1832. Janie's boutique size allows it to remain agile, meeting the demands of turbulent market cycles while addressing the needs of its clients. Trent Lancaster in the Spartanburg office of Janie Montgomery Scott sets the bar high. He provides superior advice, expertise, and support through every stage of your life and finances. As a firm, Janie's regional size offers the advantages of scale, allowing for close client relationships with personalized advice and planning. Call Trent today to discuss your estate planning needs by calling 864-585-8282. That's 864-585-8282. Or visit TrentLancaster.com. Janie Montgomery Scott, LLC. Member FINRA, NYSE, and SIPC. This is the home of the Garnet and Black. This is Gamecock Basketball. 4-3, yes! Oh, they are feeling it! It's the game winner just before the buzzer! That's the high-flying action all season long. Offensive rebound and a slam! Left side, yes! yes. is a crusher! An amazing comeback! And you can put spurs on this one! Right here on your home for South Carolina basketball, the Gamecock IMG Sports Network. Join Cole Bryson and Dean Bridges for the Saturday Sports Report. Saturday mornings from 7 till 9 on Spartanburg's Fox Sports 1400. Now on FM at 98.3. Nelson Crozier is trackside and ready to go. What's going on at this week's big race? Let's go live to Nelson now. Good morning, Nelson, and welcome on Start Your Engines. And um, not much to talk about, huh? <laughs> <laughs> how you look at it? Well, you we know, just uh, no. You go right ahead. We've uh, we've already touched a little bit on uh, on Jimmy Johnson and uh, the truck accident the accidents last night, but the guy getting hurt on pit road and uh, 
So uh, I'm just going to, I don't know, there's so much to talk about. You just go ahead. What's your overall view of uh, of what's going on down there with the Chevys dominating qualifying and the Fords coming back to win the, the qualifiers and Jimmy Johnson taking out everybody he, he gets around? What what you thinking? Well, qualify, uh, first of all, an impound race. So, uh, you know, if you were set up for qualifying, uh, you weren't going to be that good uh, you know, for the race. Uh, but, you know, the Chevrolets were set up for qualifying, the Fords were set up for race, and uh, they certainly showed their dominance in the race. Uh, you know, but, you know, we had, as you said, the truck race last night. <laughs> It was more like a demolition derby. Uh, we'll see how the Xfinity race goes today. But, you know, come tomorrow afternoon, uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you're going to have 40 cars on the track, you know, as opposed to the 20 and, uh, they had the qualifying races. So uh, it's going to be interesting. We'll hold our breath. Uh, you know, as you probably mentioned, we've got Camaros, we've got Mustangs, and we've got the Toyota Supra. Uh, so, time will tell. We'll get through this weekend, and then go to Atlanta next weekend, but the cars will be totally different. I, I think that what disturbed me in Perry and a lot of people uh, in the truck race was the fires. I've never seen so many fires in any, I know it's at night and it shows up more, but some some oil line or something, you know, they went to plastic one time. And but Nelson, you know more about, a whole lot more about that than me. But we did see a lot of very disturbing fires, and we know Jimmy Johnson didn't act like a seven-time champion or whatever. But what did uh, was there any common cause for those fires, or did? Just a happenstance, Nelson. Well, uh, two common uh, denominators are most of them. Uh, left front tires were cut by running over debris, and the oil lines, uh, you know, were not strategically placed where they would not be damaged by the, uh, you know, the tire coming apart. That's what I was thinking, that the position of that line. I mean, th- that ought to be an easy fix, right? Oh, most definitely, right. Well, what kind of restrictions do they put on you about how you place that oil line coming back through there? Pretty much it's up to you. Uh, uh, it normally is running, you know, right against either the frame rail or, uh, you know, uh, the roll cage in that section. But uh, I think there'll probably be a directive coming out that <clears> it has to be, uh, you know, on the inside of the frame rail or top or inside of the frame rail. Now, now that oil line... Uh, it- I'm just trying to figure this out because I know Greg knows, uh, and I haven't asked him, but is that like coming from an oil cooler up by the radiator and running back to a pump? Is, is that what that oil line is, is there for? Okay. Well, let's start uh, at the back. Behind the driver's seat, in that area, you have the oil reservoir, which holds 24 to 30 quarts of oil. Uh, then uh, up uh you're low in the engine, you've got the oil pump, which is typically about a four-stage pump. Uh, three of the stages scavenge all the oil out of the engine and send it back to the uh, oil reservoir. Uh, the fourth stage is the actual oil pressure pump that supplies the oil back to the engine. 
So, you know, you have a multitude of lines. Coming off the pump, you know, you've got four to six lines. Wow. Well, it was disturbing. If one time, we always run Aeroquip with the very heavy-duty lines. And they went, they started letting NASCAR let somehow or other let start using kind of plastic lines for a while. And I, I think all the competitors, you know, you had to you had to go with the deal because it was made the car lighter and which they put more ballast in it. But I sure did have more comfort with those steel braided uh, uh, army issue or whatever. I mean, uh, the braided lines versus what we went to there for a while. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure that's uh, you know what they're all running now. But depending on how the ends are uh, crimped on, if the crimp isn't good, it doesn't take a whole lot of tugging. You know, by that flappy tire, you can imagine you know a 20 pound piece of rubber and uh, uh, steel or rubber and uh, fiber whipping around there you know, at 180 miles an hour. It tear, uh, tears the panels off the. Uh, off the trucks. I mean, it, it's destructive. Uh, and, you know, everybody wants to sit in, the, and, uh, sit in the driver's seat while I have the car in the chassis dyno. Not me. I want to be as far away from there as possible. Because that left rear tire, let's go. It's going to come up and beat you in the back of the head. Well, uh, you know, that's uh, that's something like you like you said. It, it, ho- hopefully that's something they can fix because it was... It was pretty disturbing to see that much fire, and uh, even though an oil fire is, as far as I'm concerned, maybe a little more controllable than a gas fire. I mean, I think it is. Uh, it's still not not a good look for the sport. It's spectacular, especially at night, but I don't think it's something they want. Let me ask you this now, Nelson. Uh, switching gears, um, is Jimmy Johnson just on a bad streak here? I mean, is this just like a, a bad luck thing, or is he... Uh, because I didn't... I didn't see anybody at fault in either one of those accidents. The one with Paul Menard in the crash and the one Thursday night with uh, Kyle Busch. I, I didn't see where anybody did anything wrong except Jimmy Johnson. Is, is that the way you saw it or am I just uh, am I off base? Well, uh, I think the one who saw it the best was Kurt Busch, uh, you know, in the Thursday uh, race. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, you know, uh, in the crash. And... Uh, he, he was right there in contention. And uh, he said, Jimmy just went up and hung in the, quote, no zone, uh, right off the left rear quarter. And when you're in that position, you're pulling air off the spoiler, and uh, it caused the car you know, uh, to take out uh, the left, uh, the rear tries to go to the right, causing you to spin out. And uh, Kurt said, and again, this is Kurt saying it, but he was pretty emphatic. He said he knew what he was doing. He, he just didn't have the finesse uh, to do it, you know, right. And he said, Chip uh, Ganassi's over in NASCAR Hall right now, and he's protesting because that 48 car went below the double yellow line in order to win the race after spinning Bernard out. Uh, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. And then... Uh, you know, in the race when he took Kyle Busch out, uh, he said he didn't know what happened. Kyle Busch said, use your eyeballs. 
Yeah. So I think it was probably just uh, uh, a lack of perception or judgment. Well, it's a bad look also for Jimmy Johnson because he is so experienced and he's won seven championships. And, um, you know, he didn't show too much remorse, uh, at least immediately after the, the clash and and going through the thing about his daughter prays for him every night to win a race because he hadn't won one in so long. You know, that's that sounds good and everything, but it sounds better if you didn't take out the 15 cars that were uh, chasing you at the time and, um, and, and you know, and, and get away Scott free. So uh he's got I think some repairing to do. He he has had a rough year and uh um you know he is the standard bearer for Chevrolet, there's no doubt about that. But these um these other guys are gonna uh be giving him uh all he can stand in the five hundred coming up on Sunday and uh you know he's uh He's just—he's just, he's just got to watch himself because he's—he's—he's he's, he's way up on top, uh, and and people love to take you down when you're on top. No question. I mean, he's definitely under the microscope. Um, in final practice, uh, Paul Menard, the Wood Brothers car, again was the fastest, and he's certainly going to be one to watch in the race. You know, barring any bad luck or uh, problems on pit road, uh, he's definitely a favorite. We're going to do something right now, and let's, and let's get this out of the way for the first time of the year. And then I got a couple of more things to talk about. <laughs> uh, and uh, Ronnie's over here chuckling as the defending champion of our, our little uh, informal. Uh, thank for- you, thank you, thank you. Formal pool all that, my we, fans. that we have every week. Nelson, you lead it off. Who you want? Who you like in the five hundred? Well, Greg and I are going to battle for this one. I think. Uh, Yo, know, I'm definitely going to take the 21 car. Well, that's great. And, I, you know, I almost hope you, you're right because uh, I'd love to see the Wood Brothers in victory lane. So, Greg, you don't get well, to pick Menard. <laughs> well, that was who I was going to pick. The Wood Brothers have always run good at Daytona. Well, I like that pick, too. I mean, he, Menard, yeah. Menard has run substantially better with the Wood Brothers and. He had what Leonard Wood had told me. They were proud of how professionally he handled it, where other drivers would just go off the deep end, uh, which I would have. I mean, I think any of us would have over over a situation like that. So give us a pick. You need a minute? I I think Menard, but I can't pick him. You can't pick him, so pick somebody else. Uh, it's a two-hour show. I know that. <laughs> I'm, I tend to think that you're going to see the Camaros run a little bit better. Uh, Ryan, you got a pick? I got one. While Greg's thinking about While it. While Greg's thinking about it, I'm going to go with that horse that was good to me last year with the number four car. Okay, that's... Uh, I mean, he qualified second, so, you know... Well, he qualified. Well, he, he's going to start he, he's the second got, row because right. he won the qualifying. Right. I'm going to go with Keselowski. I, I don't care if he is starting uh, in Ormond Beach instead of Daytona. He's. Uh, I think he'll he'll run him down. Now, Greg, you got one. I think Kyle Busch is aggravated right now. <laughs> I'm gonna go with him. Okay. Because he he's he's determined. Uh, speaks his mind. 
heck of a good race driver. I'm pulling for the Wood Brothers, but I'm going to go with the with him. Okay, well, I almost picked Byron. Well, but but you can change. No, I don't want to change. But but I, he he looked awful good. Nelson, he's uh, awful fast. Yeah, he is. He's the fastest one, and that's the youngest front row in the history of the Daytona 500. Which there's uh, that's a long history of uh, front rows. But, Nelson, um, what do you know about the Xfinity Series? We haven't hardly touched on them at all. I think they're qualifying right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that is correct. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But, uh, again, it's going to be a pretty good race. Uh, and, you know, I kind of think Stuart Haas, uh, you know, might be the one to watch there. Uh, but, uh, you know, so far as the uh, cup race, I'm surprised none of us chose the 22 car. Because he's definitely going to be one to watch. Well, I, I've seriously considered it. Um, and he um, is the defending NASCAR Cup champion. And I thought, you know, I was a little concerned with the with the uh, the high-speed parade that I, I actually thought they had going on. Because uh, anybody that tried to pull out the pass, you know, pretty much went to the back. But he executed that last lap pass going into the first turn of the the the, the second uh, qualifier. I, I mean, that was textbook. That was beautiful. And uh, that was about the only time I saw anybody pull out the pass and do it successfully. Of course, he had help, but well, but still. Yeah, this, this is the biggest thing. The race is going to require help. Uh, and most of the practice has been Chevrolet's together, Ford's together, Toyota's together. Uh Probably one exception, uh, Truex, uh, you know, got in the mix with the Fords a couple of times. And uh, he's another one that uh, you're really going to have to watch. Right. Well, Nelson, I tell you what, uh, we, um, we're we going to be watching the races today. I think uh, the Xfinity race should be interesting. I know that I saw a piece about uh, our local driver, Jeremy Clements. He's got new equipment this year. And he says it's the best car he's ever had down there. So I'll be, we'll all be looking forward to see how he can, how he does in qualifying. And he usually runs good at the at the big tracks. And um, uh, go ahead. Yeah, no question about it. Yo, uh, the Xfinity field, uh, yo, it's probably the best. Uh, yo, we've had in a long time. And uh, yo, this will be uh, your last restricted plate race. Uh, at Atlanta, we go to the Cape with Spacer. Uh, which is same but different, but the cars at Atlanta are going to have 550 horsepower instead of 900 they had last year. Wow. I mean, that's uh, going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. You're going to try to make it down there? Uh, just have to see. You know, doctors keep uh, you know, doing checkups, and so far everything's been good, but, you know, got to do what they say to make sure keep getting better. That's absolutely the truth. And Nelson, we uh, you you sound great to us, and we really appreciate you coming on here, your expertise, uh, and um, have a good day sitting on the couch watching the races like the rest of us. Good enough, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. That's Nelson Crozier, who is what, Ronnie? The smartest man I know. He is. He, he knows it all. No doubt. I've learned more off of him. I just soaked the technology off of him like a sponge. Fantastic, brilliant mind. I know, so far, we've seen a lot of 
Ford's helping Ford, Chevy's helping Chevy's, Toyota's helping Toyota's. When we get in the race tomorrow, are we going to see anybody helping another brand car? Well, I don't see how you're going to be able to help it. I mean, uh, you just can't always line up with your your uh, manufacturing uh uh, yeah, teammate. yeah, teammate for lack of a better cause. You know, I, I think within the team, some of them don't like each other. But yeah. uh, uh, you know, when uh, um, a few years ago, when the Wood Brothers, the last time they won this race with, uh, oh, I can't think of the guy's name right off the top of my brain, but uh, he was teamed up with. Uh, he was in a Ford, of course, and he was teamed up with Jeff Gordon, and um, and Jeff pretty much, you know, helped him win that race. And so, you know, we'll just see how it plays out. There's no way they're going to be lined up. But we're going to take a break right now, and we're going to come back at the end of the hour. You're listening to Start Your Engines. Fox Sports 1400's website is SpartanburgSportsRadio.com. SpartanburgSportsRadio.com. WSPG Spartanburg. What's trending now? Kick things off in the National Football League. There'll be a little get-together next week between team president of Pittsburgh Steelers, Art Rooney, and wide receiver Antonio Brown, who is disgruntled. He's requested a trade. And the organization just last week, the two sides will get together next week to try to hash things out. Meanwhile, things at the NFL and Colin Kaepernick in safety for the Panthers. Eric Reed have been hashed out. Both sides reached a settlement agreement with the NFL surrounding the collusion case between Kaepernick, Reed, and the National Football League. The payout, though, was not disclosed, so it was an NDA. Meanwhile, in college basketball, one game of the top 25. Braves headed the circle, turns around a great pick now. Throws it to Montel for the dunk. Boy, a pick and roll doesn't work any better than that for the Bulls. Graves to McCray who had set the screen and then a slam. All working the same for Buffalo. The only game in top 25. They win it 88 to 82. I'm David Gascon. All right. Everybody freeze. This is there's no points racing here. Greg, Perry, Ronnie, and Nelson are racing to win. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports 1498.3 FM. Frank's for the Memories is a great hot dog place for lunch. Why Frank's for the Memories? Because hot dogs for the Memories just doesn't cut the mustard. Frank's for the Memories has more than great hot dogs. Enjoy a choice of four delicious bird dogs featuring a deep fried chicken tender on a hot dog bun. Frank's for the Memories makes their homemade chili daily and has great signs like french fries, onion rings, and corn nuggets. Frank's for the Memories 468 Oak Grove Road next to Westview Elementary is open for lunch Monday through Saturday till 3.30 p.m. Thanks for the Memories. Spartanburg has been known as the hub city for decades due to our proximity to rail lines and interstate highways. Upstate Logistics has been part of the hub city transportation scene for over a decade. Upstate Logistics provides businesses with warehousing and transportation services, including inbound and outbound rail shipments. And more importantly, we support Spartanburg. Be it high school and college sports or important community projects, Upstate Logistics wants to help move Spartanburg forward. Upstate Logistics, keeping your business and Spartanburg moving forward. To find out more, visit UpstateLogistics.com. Speedy Lube in Inman says to save time is to lengthen life for you and your car. Let Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman, lengthen the life and performance of your vehicle. Speedy Lube offers professional ASC certified mechanical service for your car. Be it an oil change, AC work, tires, brakes, front end, or any type of major or minor repair. Trust Speedy Lube in Inman. Open weekdays from 8 till 6. For fast, fair, and friendly service, visit Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman. Throughout your life, you've worked hard to accumulate assets. 
to build wealth and to provide for your family. You've built a comfortable life full of shared memories and experiences. Providing and protecting your loved ones is never more critical than when you aren't there to do so. While having a will is important, it's not the only way. That is why developing an estate plan can be the best thing you will ever do for them. Working with our estate planning experts, Trent Lancaster in the Spartanburg office of Janie Montgomery Scott can help you to design a customized estate plan that can protect and preserve your assets for the next generation. The sooner you begin, the sooner you can be at ease knowing that your loved ones will be provided for as you intended. Contact Trent today to discuss your estate planning needs by calling 864-585-8282. That's 864-585-8282. Or visit TrentLancaster.com. Janie Montgomery Scott, LLC, member FINRA, NYSE, and SIPC. And the Blue Devils reached down and slapped the floor. Here come the Blue Devils. The Brotherhood. O'Connell for three. Oh, that's good. Delorier in transition to throw it down. Ducks up by White. This is Duke basketball. Here at the lob. Williamson with a two-hand shot. Follow the Blue Devils all season long on your home for Duke basketball. Duke and Spartanburg Zone, Zion Williamson, right here on Fox Sports 1498.3 FM. Live from the Beacon Drive-In Studios in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Gentlemen, start your ringtone. Fox Sports 1498.3 FM presents Start Your Engines. Here's your race team for today. Show producer, Ronnie Black. Track reporter and racing insider, Nelson Crozier. Former NASCAR team manager and author, Greg Moore. Now, here's your host for Start Your Engines. Racing historian and author, Perry Allen Wood. And welcome back to the second hour of Start Your Engines. And Ronnie, I got to tell you, that was a lot smoother than last week. It it was. It went pr- pretty good, I thought. I thought it went perfect. In and, my considered opinion. Well, you're the one pushing the buttons. And uh, by the way, I'm sitting sort of beside Ronnie this morning trying yeah. to learn how to do his job so we can... Uh, kind of cattywampus. Well, kind of give ourselves some flexibility in case... Uh, because Ronnie's got commitments. In fact, he's sitting here with his Upstate Spartans uh, T-shirt on or, or, uh, or shirt on this morning, so he can go do some a uh, couple of baseball games. Yeah, probably right. as more soon as fun. I leave here. Yeah, but right now we're going to bring on uh, NASCAR supervisor for Ford. That we're very, very proud to have on the show, Mister Pat DeMarco. Pat, good morning, and welcome to Start Your Engines. Good morning. Glad to be here. You. Uh, Probably a pretty busy guy about this time of year, I would think. With the Mustangs coming out and the uh, all that's going on in the different series down at Daytona. Yeah, it's uh, you know we're back at it uh, down here in Daytona and um, Mustangs on track, success on track, and so the nerves are gone, and we're just looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, I think the Mustangs just. A very good success story. Uh, it better be. Greg and I just bought new ones. We just bought. We just bought new ones. And Appreciate that. Perry, well, Perry got a, a bright red one, and I got one with the the, the Bud Moore Parnelli Jones uh, orange orange, which is yeah. a little bit closer to the real Bud Moore yellow Parnelli Jones yellow than the mm-hmm. Grabber orange. Uh, yep. But uh, it, he definitely can tell where it, where it went. But 
they're wonderful cars and such a great success story and hats off to Ford and we, we support everything that y'all do. Great. Uh, you, um, yeah. So tell us how, uh, I mean, you know, it, I, a lot of the highlights or, or uh, headlines is what I was trying to say from last week were the, the Camaros that took the top five positions into qualifying. However, Ford sure uh, with the Mustang looked good winning both of those qualifying races. So uh, it's sort of been a mixed bag, but uh, you know where uh, you know where my loyalties lie. But the Mustangs, uh, I think they're going to be just fine. Yeah, I think um, you know coming to Daytona, you know there's there's teams and there's engine builders and um, everybody has a different strategy. And some of the guys, you know, go out for raw speed and it's. You know, everybody knew coming in here that the Hendrick uh, motors and cars would be fast in qualifying trim. They have been the last however many handful of years, and they they win polls. But when it comes down to racing, um, you know, our Mustangs out there and Fusions last year and the teams that we have were focused on winning the races. And um, I think that that was very clear and showed through in the uh, uh, the qualifying races on Thursday night that we we have race cars that can race. Um, it's not to say that the others won't be up there, but we got some numbers and we got great one Ford teamwork and um, you know hitting on all cylinders down here. Well, I mean that was an absolutely beautiful pass that Joey Logano pulled off there to win that second qualifying race. And uh, you know I had been concerned a little bit watching the others that he. Uh, um, that the racing, you know, it looked kind of like a, a, a 200 mile an hour parade. You know, people would try to pull out and pass, and even with a partner, if you tried that low side, it didn't work. And uh, and it was just like uh, 20 cars lined up, you know, drafting each other. But Logano, boy, he he went in that first turn and proved that you can do it, and it was a it was a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, and I, I think come Sunday you'll see more of that. I think. Uh you know, the it was fairly cool here Thursday night, um, and you know, with the lower um, entry lifts that we have, um, you know, the old days everybody was racing to make it into the race, um, and nobody was guaranteed in. And now the guys, uh, you know, there, there are guarantees into the race, and you don't want to tear up your equipment. You're not going to put yourself in a bad position um, until the end of the race. You know, the end of the race, then the duels they do pay. Um, stage points, so you do get the points for uh, winning, 10 points for winning um, the duel, so, you know, it is worth something there, but up until then, you know, you're locked in, you're riding, um, but come Sunday, it's going to be 80 degrees and slick, and um, there's a lot more on the line, so I think you'll see a lot more of what Joey did. Um, it was a great pass, um, and that Rosh horsepower, just, you know, one against another, it's, it was great to see. That, like I say, the Mustang is a is a great success story, and you're correct. The conditions are going to be different, just like for years. Uh, you had to be handling real good in the the hot, you know, the firecracker, and you, the handling wasn't nearly as critical in the cool weather. But when it got hot, it, it changes the conditions. But I think Ford's in an excellent position. Uh, I, I know where, who we're pulling for, and it's it's called a blue Ford label, uh, and I think I think it's all great. Pat, tell us uh, 
as the NASCAR supervisor far far forward, what's your typical like tomorrow will be the Sunday of the the day of the race? What's the typical day of the race for you? I don't know if Daytona is a typical day, but uh, <laughs> lots of meetings, uh, lots of executives down here. We great support from our executive team. Um, all excited about the new Mustang coming on. Um, so, you know, we'll have those uh, high-level meetings with the teams and just um, walking through. You know, the the guys are mostly done. There's one more practice today, final practice. But uh, the guys are done uh, for the most part um, with the cars. We're just going to get them ready to go through tech tomorrow. Um, but, you know, normally a Sunday is it's just it just grows and grows and grows. And the anticipation and the nerves and... You know, it, it'll it'll be great um, come that green flag when that Mustang finally takes the green flag for a points paying race here in the uh, for the Daytona 500. So um, a lot of excitement in Ford Camp here. Well, do you take a breath when the green flag falls, or do, do those not stay in your your stomach till the the checkers fly? Uh, you know, I think because of the success that we've had with the. Uh, in the clash and then in the duels and i think it's you know once the the race starts uh, i think those butterflies will go away pretty quick and we'll know it's just back to normal racing um that we've had here in years past um pat, and there'll be no worries about the mustang pat um i know the mustang has been in the xfinity series now for you know at least a couple of years uh was there that much you could carry over did you learn a lot in the xfinity series that carried over to cup um since this is the first year for the mustang and cup or was it sort of uh um starting all over again no it was a it was a clean sheet of paper with the rules that we have and um and the ability to put more identity into the uh into the cup car um so yeah it was a clean sheet of paper um working with our design team in dearborn um and our aerodynamic team and uh, North Carolina, as well as um, all of our race teams uh, participating in the process. Now, let me ask a question here, and I, I probably should know this, but I don't. Greg might, but I, I haven't asked him yet. Uh, is the is the are the Cup cars one hundred and fifteen inch wheelbase, and the Xfinity one hundred and ten, or is it all the same? No, they're both uh, one ten. Both one ten. Okay, so um, that. They, they had been they had they had they had been different trucks are I think two inches longer and then Cup was one ten I think Xfinity used to be one oh eight but then when Xfinity went to the car tomorrow chassis um, it uh, equalized it to one ten like the Cup cars. Okay, well that that answers that. That that was a good a good move because the Bush cars or the Xfinity cars now drive like the Cup cars and. It used to be guys would get in the Xfinity race, and the cars just drove so much different. It would help some drivers, and it would actually mess some drivers up because there was a big difference. So that was that was a good move to standardize that. Let me ask you this, Pat. Um, now you, uh, we obviously know that you're involved with the Cup and the Xfinity. Are, are you involved with the the? IMSA cars at all, the 24-hour cars? Uh, no, I am not. Um, I do have counterparts um, that are involved with the 24-hour cars. 
Um, so I know you said NASCAR, but since I think NASCAR bought IMSA, I thought maybe you uh, you carried over to that as well. No, we have we have others in our group that are responsible for the IMSA side of things. So you wouldn't have anything to do with ARCA either. I do have I do have ARCA responsibility since it is stock car. Okay, well, I'm striking out all over the place here. <laughs> well, we're learning. We're learning. We are learning. But NASCAR yeah. just bought these series, and I, and you're over Ford NASCAR, and, and so I'm trying to figure out um, if you're over ARCA as well. So you are over ARCA, but not over the sports cars, and that's interesting. Correct. Do you see uh, NASCAR looking at some more series to buy? Some of the smaller uh, regional <laughs> series. Uh, you know, I I don't think so. I don't really. There haven't been any conversations on that. Uh, I you know I think they have their home tracks. Um, the program that they have is really good. Um, you know, a lot of the young stars we have come up through those programs and through K and N. Um, so I think I think they're well well positioned in the stock car uh, market here in the U.S. and um, that's their bread and butter. Well, Pat, is it too soon to ask what's on the horizon for Ford? Since I mean, you're just rolling out the Mustang and you haven't even run a, a, a points-paying cup race yet. Um, what's next? I mean, or is this just going to... I mean, Ford, in, as far as I'm concerned, invented auto racing. I mean, it goes back over 100 years when Henry Ford, you know, you know, ran through the snow up in Michigan someplace. Well, when he built that second car, you know they were going to race. Yeah, that's true. But but uh, what's on the horizon for Ford, uh, or is there anything you can tell us? Yeah, you know, we're, we're constantly working with NASCAR, um, and, you know, they made an announcement um, last week that they're going to go to this uh, Gen 7 car in the future, and that's kind of been the topic of conversation and trying to figure out what that's going to be in 2021, and, um, you know, and so I think that's, that'll be big for the sport um, as well as for the OEMs because from an OEM perspective, the biggest thing that we want getting into racing is um, relevance and tech transfer so that we can, that we're relevant to what's on our road cars as well as be able to take technology back and forth from our road cars to our race cars and from the race cars back to the road car. Well, Pat, how much leeway did NASCAR give you? And, and this would hold true, I'm sure, for the Camaros too. Did they? How much leeway did they give you in letting the the race cars look more like the cars that you get on the the showroom floor? Um, there's there's a lot of leeway. There is a you know there's a box you have to be in, but then there's also um, the common surfaces that all. The manufacturers have to meet, but then there's a lot, there's a lot of area on the cars that are um, able to put your brand identity in. You know, you take a look at these Mustangs now. Um, the tail lights are 3D. There's no more just stickers on for tail lights. They are. Well, I thought it looked like that. Tail lights. Yep, that's and then interesting. The headlights as well. Um, you know, the three bar, the three light strip bar that's on the headlights and are. Uh, Make a Mustang look like a Mustang. Well, that's you know, good. Uh, well, uh, three-dimensional. So um, that's you know, very we're, good. We're putting as much brand identity that we can put in it. 
Well, in, in the qualifiers, they showed some shots of, you know, being a car behind a Mustang. And I thought, wow, those are good graphics on those <laughs> taillights. <laughs> so it wasn't graphics. It was actually taillights. They were graph. They were graphics on top of uh, a three dimensional taillight. Okay. Um, they they do they do look as you saw. They do look like taillights. <laughs> and you know, and I was just talking about the uh, Arca and the Xfinity and the Cup, but I left out the trucks. So uh, I mean, you had a big race last night. I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure Toyota won that race last night. But uh, we were talking earlier in the first hour of the show about all the fires and everything and the oil lines and um is this something that you're that they're going to try to address or was that just a, a fluke last night that these um all this rubber flapping around on on flat tires were i guess knocking those oil lines off yeah um it, it, it is a topic of conversation today and as with nascar and anything they do safety is first and um they'll take a look at it we'll discuss it as oems and um uh yeah that's uh uh but you know it's it, the rules haven't changed for that so um i wouldn't say that it's something new or what have you but uh, we'll look at it with nascar and i'm i'm pretty sure that there's a, a solution on the horizon or uh root cause that will uh, not cause any panic in the garage area yep they're uh they're definitely is a steel brand identity uh and I know there's less people in the stands, but due to the technology of where people pick up a telephone, and it, it, that's changed, and uh, people are still watching the races, but it still ain't the same. I mean, they it's like a college football game. I love college football. I think everybody does. But seeing it on TV versus being there, being there is so much more exciting and that's the way the racing is. But with technology the way it is, people are, are watching the races and pay attention to their favorites. Uh, but they're doing it in a different way. Uh, so I think it's deceiving that there's not quite as many people in the stands. But through the other medians, uh, they're doing good. Yeah, NASCAR... NASCAR. Um, has some really good metrics that show that um, NASCAR fans consume the sport um, at a higher level and a higher rate through all um, media channels, social, digital, um, than any other sport. So, um, yeah, people may not be sitting in the stands as they did, as many of them did, but they're consuming more than they ever have um, through all the media platforms that NASCAR supports. And that's good to know. Pat, we really appreciate you coming on the show this morning. We've been talking to Pat DeMarco. Um, you know, when we get this Ford uh, Mustang, uh, a few races under its belt, maybe we can have you back on towards the middle of the season and uh, and see what you're thinking about uh, the progress so far. I'd be glad to do it. Anytime. Well, well, thank you. That's and we can tell you how Greg and I can tell you how our cars are working out. <laughs> Perfect. We got Perry's got a brand new red one, and I got an orange one. Well, and we'll talk about it. You know, maybe we we'll call you when you get back down there for the Firecracker Four Hundred, or yeah, the Firecracker yeah. Four Hundred. So, uh, thanks for coming on, Pat. We really appreciate right. it, and uh, pleasure to have you. All right. Thanks for having me.
That was Pat DeMarco, the NASCAR supervisor for all their racing efforts. And we're going to take a break right now and come back and hear what's happening locally with Alan Hill. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. Want to talk racing with the guys? Call the Sign Force Hotline now at 864-468-1400. Start Your Engine returns in a moment on Fox Sports 1400 and 98.3 FM. For years now, we've been telling you about Palmetto Spirit's tremendous wine selection. We've told you about Palmetto Spirit's carrying special, small-batch, handcrafted bourbons and whiskeys that you can't find anywhere else. But what truly sets Palmetto Spirit's apart is their customer service. Jim and the entire staff knows wines and liquors and knows how to find you the perfect bottle for the perfect occasion. Palmetto Spirit's. Reedville Road on Spartanburg's West Side, where customer service is the difference. And what's better than your McDonald's favorites? Two McDonald's favorites for just five bucks. Welcome back to Two for Five Mix and Match Deal. Now, with the juicy quarter pounder with cheese. So you can mix it with the flaky filet of fish, saucy Big Mac, a 10-piece chicken McNuggets. Choose two of your favorites for just five dollars. Only at McDonald's. Prices and participation may vary. Limited time only. Single item at regular price. Business owners, have product or material you need moved, shipped, stored? Upstate Logistics in Spartanburg has the expertise in transportation and warehousing you're looking for in Spartanburg County and beyond. For over a decade, Upstate Logistics has provided businesses with storage and logistics services, including inbound and outbound rail shipments. Upstate Logistics, proud to be a part of our community, serving Spartanburg County and beyond since 2005. Upstate Logistics, keeping your business and inventory moving forward. To find out more, visit upstatelogistics.com. That's upstatelogistics.com. Steve and Jerry here from the world-famous Beacon Drive-In in Spartanburg. The Beacon has served over 300 menu selections of burgers, barbecue, chicken, fish, and more for over 70 years. Jerry, what's been the most popular? Chili cheese, I plant thai. I deep flounder. Cheeseburger like a burger, make it cry. Give me a bacon with no trim. <laughs> Had a feeling you'd say that. Join Steve and Jerry at the world-famous Beacon Drive-In. John White Senior Boulevard in Spartanburg. Hey, plant Open Mike Daily is now in its second decade talking sports in Spartanburg. How do we explain our longevity? Clean living for one. A keen grasp of reality. We cover Spartanburg and Spartanburg County first. Weekday afternoons at 3 on Fox Sports 1400 and 98.3 FM. Welcome back to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg at the Beacon Drive-In Studios. And we are proud to bring on our local expert, Mr. Alan Hill. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. Glad to be here, boys. Glad to have you. Without further ado, who are you picking for the win the Daytona 500? I was, I was listening to y'all in my shop on the radio <laughs> and everybody, I'm sitting there going... Everybody must not watch the same race I did Thursday night. We didn't watch the second one. Oh, okay. No, we did, and I, and I know exactly, but go ahead. And, and I know I'm going to get kind of chewed out about this from my sister-in-law because she don't like this fella, but I'm going <laughs> 22, Joey Logano. Well, I tell you what, and, and I pointed it out earlier, that was a beautiful pass. I mean, he executed that perfectly. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
he he just drove down to the bottom of that racetrack, had the 12 car to go with him, and when he come off that fourth turn, he was just flat moving on. Yep, and your sister-in-law is not alone in people not liking him. Personally, I like him, and uh, uh, I didn't always like him, but you know he's he's been around for what, ten years now. He's not he's not a a young punk anymore. He's just a a punk. He's a, <laughs> he's what, what I call a money maker. He is a money maker, and he's got a, a actually. I think his car is beautiful. I've always liked the number 22, even back to Fireball Roberts. But, uh, you know, um, that, that's just a gorgeous car, the yellow and, and red to shell. And he has some other colors during the year. But enough about that. Tell us what's going on locally. How's well, things at Cherokee and uh, and um, and the surrounding area? All right. Cherokee Speedway this afternoon. It's supposed to be tomorrow. But since they're calling for rain tomorrow, they're going to move practice up today. Gate's going to be open today at 12 o'clock. We're going to have practice from 1 to probably 6 o'clock. I doubt if he'll stay either longer than that because he had to start turning lights and stuff like that on. Uh, first race at Gaffney is going to be next Sunday afternoon. Okay. And that's one thing about Gaffney. They get to run on Sunday. Yep. Most tracks, you know, they are still grandfathered in to where they can run on Sunday. Yeah. The that Sunday, we're going to have the 604 Crate Lake models there. We're going to have the Limited Sportsman's there, Renegade, Stock 4, Extreme 4, Young Guns, and the Thunder Bombers. And they'll put on a good show for you. You're, now, I haven't looked in the parking lot. You don't have a race car sitting out there for you to haul to Gaffney real quick when the show's over, do you? Uh, I've got mine sitting in the shop right now. I told Danny, I said, I don't know if practice, uh, practice after, you know. He's won a few races. I don't think practice is going to help him any. Okay. We we went over and practiced one time about two years ago with a new car. Right. And uh, got out there, and there's about eight or ten cars out there. And he starts just coming right up through there, passing cars and stuff like that, just putting it. I'm sitting here drawing up, and I walked in there, and I looked at him. After he come in pit road, I walked over to him. I said, what part of practice did you not understand? <laughs> he looked at me, and he said, I was practicing passing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a pretty dadgum good answer. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty good answer. But uh, today, the grandstands are free. To all the fans, I don't know if the concession stands will be open or not. So, I, you know, if you're going to sit over there and you might get a little hungry, I ain't going to say bring me something. But uh, usually I don't know if the concession stands are open, but it's $15 to get into the pits. Okay. All right. Also, we got Traveler's Risk Speedway. Their practice session is going to be next Saturday, February the 23rd. And their first race will be probably the week after that. All right. Then we're going to come back to uh, we're going to come back to Gaffney because Gaffney always has a big race going in March. They call it March Madness. It'll be March first. Be open practice on March second, which is on Saturday. They got the Southeastern Late Model Series. It's going to be two thousand to win. They got the Thunder Bombers, I mean, Thunder Series late models, which is $1,500 to win. Renegade, $600 to win. Extreme 4, $500. Young Guns. That's the kids that are 12 and 13 years old. They're going to pay them boys $500 to win their race. Man, that's a lot of... That's a lot of money I, for, a, for a 12 or 13-year-old. Yeah. 
All right, we got Pure Stock. Pure Stock's another division that we have over at Gaffney. Uh, turns out a lot of good cars. Most of them are Camaros. I didn't know there's that many old 70 Camaros left out here. <laughs> but they are. They're like the, they, they, it's like it used to be with uh, 39 Fords and, uh, when I was growing up and yeah. 55 Chevrolets. Yes, sir. They're going to pay them $500 to win. And then we're going to jump over to Sunday, which is, is a three-day event. On Sunday, they got the Southern All-Star Late Models. 12000 to win, $600 to start the race. Goodness, 11. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And he usually winds this up to where we've got so many different series in dirt track racing. we got the Lucas Oil Series. We've got the World of Outlaw Series. The Lucas Oil Series was racing last week at East Bay in Tampa, Florida. One of our local boys, Jonathan Davenport, which is otherwise known as Superman, he put on a show down there. And we had some uh, younger fellas there. The 1T, which is Tyler Erb. He's son of, I think, pretty pretty much son of Dennis Erb, an older racer. And then we had Devin Moran, son of Donnie Moran. But if they're off that week, a lot of them boys will actually come down here for this March Madness, this 12,000 to win. They have a series kind of like Winston Cup series. They got this uh, Lucas Oil. They also have the World of Outlaws. These boys have a big points program at the end of the year, and they pretty much sign these drivers up to run these series, and they pretty much committed to these unless they have the weekend off. And if they have the weekend off and they feel good and they're not tired, the Lucas Oil series run four nights last week, and then this week, the World of Outlaws were at Volusia County. They started up on the 13th, and they run all the way up to Saturday night there. So if these boys feel good and, you know, 